what thus saith the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. Very familiar scripture. I love it. We'll, we'll work from there. Glory to God. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. The Bible reads, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Verse number 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn, not only born, but firstborn among many brethren. Verse number 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. Everybody say justified. And whom he justified, everybody say justified. Them he also glorified. Verse 31, what shall, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Everybody say justify. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. But rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession uh, for us. Father, we just thank you and we bless you right now for the power of God, for the word of God, for the grace of God. Most importantly, for the spirit that you intermingle with the truth that gives men permission to enter into transformation. Look at, we, 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 don't inform us, impart to us. Lord God, don't touch our head. Lord God, fill our hearts. Look, we just thank you today that we'll leave here knowing the way we came is not the way that we left. That we look more like what we're called to look like and we've become more what we've been called to become. Look, God, I just thank you that there is a yes and amen to the glory of God in this house right now. It is through the grace of our Lord and Savior I pray right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I love Romans 8.28. Amen. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I quote it all the time. But I believe it demands further examination for us to really understand what Paul is communicating to us through Romans chapter 8. And so, uh, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God to the called according to his purpose. I want you to notice something about that verse. I want you to know the sequence. Everybody say sequence. There is a sequence in verse 28 that we can't overlook as we're reading that scripture. Uh, because if we don't pay attention to that sequence, we won't understand that all things working together for our good is not for everybody. We must understand that all things don't work out for the good for everybody. Some things that are bad are really bad. Some things that don't work really just don't work. He's not speaking to everybody when he says all things work together for the good. There is a sequence. Now watch the sequence. All things work together for the good of those, number one, who what? Love God. Right? right, right. All things work together for the good of those who love God and if we stop right there we still miss it because everybody says they love God but but there's a biblical love that the Lord defines in John 14 and and there's a biblical love that the Lord defines in first John and his epistle so if we stop right there we still miss it glory be to God but now, now we still won't know who in which Paul is saying all things work together for the good of all things work together to those who love God. Watch this. And those who love God are the called according to his purpose. 
All things work together for those who love God and those who love God are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for the good of those who by way of legitimate biblical love have answered the call of God's purpose for their lives. Only those who love God will ever answer this call. Please hear me. Matter of fact, only those who actually love God will actually discern this call. Uh, the call according to his purpose. If we don't love God, we won't even be able to recognize this call. Please understand me. It is not a call to preach. Please understand, it is not a call to prophesy. It is not a call to serve in ministry. It is not a call to, to evangelize. There are many people who have answered the call to preach who've not, who have never even discerned this call. There are many people who've answered the call to pastor who's never discerned this call. There are many people who are witnessing every day who have never discerned this call. They've answered a call but never answered this one. The question is, what is God's purpose for us to which all things work together for our good what is that called purpose well we just go to the next verse verse 29 for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers what is God's purpose for us to which all things work together for our good it is to be conformed into the image of his son. It is to be an image bearer. That is the call that you can answer the call to preach and never even know that's the call on your life. That is the call that you can answer the call the minister and you've never even discerned that call. It is to bear his image. Jesus did not want to be one of a kind. He wanted to be the firstborn among many brethren. It's right there in the scripture. I don't want to come and everybody say I just did this I actually want to be the first among others that are many he's the firstborn most people who have answered the call don't even know the call to be conformed into the image of his son we'll come we'll come flap out the mouth if we're religious and say that is Jesus we can't God knows we can't be like Jesus where well, your call is to be conformed. It's to be an immigrant. If we haven't embraced the first John 4:17 revelation, what's the first John 4:17 revelation? Perfect love, and what does that perfect love do? It produces as he is, so are we in this world. Read 1 John 4 and 17, because those who really love God, love actually brings us to a conclusion called likeness. If we haven't embraced 1 John 4 and 17, revelation of perfect love that produces as he is, so are we in this world, that our calling and purpose, watch this, is to function in earth as he is in heaven, all things are not working together for our good. I, I just want to let you know that if you haven't embraced the fact that me and you are to now have his righteousness formed in us, his grace formed in us, his anointing formed in us, his obedience formed in us, his prayer life formed in us. If me and you have not embraced that reality that we can only access by love, then there are some bad things happening that are bad. There are some things that are not working that ain't helping nothing it only works for the good of those who are the called according to his purpose most don't even discern the purpose when we hear all things are working together we think in terms of place that's the first thing we do every time all things are working together to get me to a particular place every time we get to a particular place we'll say oh all things are working together but he was not speaking in terms of all things working together to get us to a place it is it, it, all things don't work together to get us to a ministry place all things don't work together to get us to a financial place all things don't work 
work together to get us to a career place. That verse isn't referring to all things working together to get us to a place, but all things working together to make us a person. Glory be to God. Uh, For those he foreknew did he predestinate to be conformed into the image of a person. It is not to get us to a place. It is to make us a person. And many times what we don't understand because we don't understand the ways of God and we read it like we want to instead of read it by the spirit. Many times we wind up in places we don't like and we question God. Why am I in this place? And you know why we're in this place? It's because Yahweh's highest agenda isn't where you are. It's who you are. And where you are is better to make you who you are than actually where you want to be. And so many times he'll place us in places where we don't want to be because he ain't he trying he ain't studying a place. He's studying the person he's trying to make us. And sometimes the person he's trying to make us don't fit the place we want to be right now. It's not that Yahweh doesn't know our preferred place. God, Yahweh knows every one of our preferred places, yet he chooses to keep us in challenging places because the challenging place will work more for our good than our preferred place. I wish I could get a witness up in here. See, there are things that if they worked when we wanted them to work, would have actually worked against us. Glory be to God. I know somebody in here can witness to that. If you would have got what you wanted, you would be a mess right now. If if you would have got him who you wanted, you... If you would have got hurt. Because if it would have worked when we wanted it to work, it would have. See, see, many times it doesn't work when we want it to work. Why? Because what it does is it forces us to come out of degrees of character that's not his character. If it would have worked when we wanted it to work, we would have kept that attitude. If it would have worked when we wanted it to work, we would have still been acting snazzy. If it would have worked when we wanted it to work, we would not be humble see what God is doing is working out his character in us and sometimes there's things he wants for us that will work he just ain't gonna let it work right now because it not working right now is actually better to work for your good to conform you into his image there are things God has for you that he ain't gonna give you today but he's gonna give you tomorrow because Not because it ain't for you. It just won't be for your good right now. Because your good ain't it. Your good is to be conformed into. He's not trying to get you a place. He's trying to give you a heart of a person. He's not trying to get you to a place. He's trying to give you the mind of a person. He's not trying to get you to a place. He's trying to give you the will of a person. He's not trying to get you to the place. He's trying to give you the prayer life of a person. We get a new job. All things work together. Sometimes when everything works, you in trouble. I know I ain't doing right, but everything working, you in trouble. I know I ain't where God want me to be, but everything I'm doing working, you in trouble. Because that means you are not functioning in the purpose Some things aren't going to work now that are actually going to work later because it working isn't the point. Glory be to God. If conform, it's conforming into Jesus' image. Many times it's what's not working that works 
best to conform us into his image. See, because when we tried and it didn't work, it forged character in us. When we tried and it didn't work, it humbled us because we just knew what we were doing. Come on. We just knew that it was going to work. But what it did was it brought us down. And, 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 and the Bible says that he gives grace. Yes, Lord. See, the only reason why it didn't work is because God wanted to qualify you for a grace that your head was too high to qualify for. So I had to make something happen that didn't work to bring you down enough to lift you up. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There are some things that didn't work. I just want to prophesy to somebody and help you. There are some things that didn't work for you yesterday that are going to work for you today. I need you to get excited about that. The reason why it didn't work for you yesterday wasn't because it wasn't for you. That was just best for you yesterday. But, oh, glory. But at that time, it wouldn't have worked for your good. For what good? Not to get you there, but to make you like him. But because you allowed it to shape you, but because you allowed it to mold your heart, but because you allowed it to cause you to think more like him, God says do it again glory be to God God says what you tried yesterday that will not work you're going to try it today and it's going to work that business that did not work last year you're going to try it this year and it's going to work why, why do you want me to fish in the same place nevertheless at thy word I'll do what you say because it ain't God God said do it again my God, pray for him again. Do it again. Intercede again. Do it again. Write again. Do it again. Step out again. Do it again. Do the business again. Do the prayer again. Do the assignment again. Do the ministry again. It didn't work because that was best to work on your identity. You're about to enter into a season where everything works. Oh, glory be to God. I'm telling you right now, there's some of you in here. It ain't everybody in here. It ain't everybody. Because actually people, see, some people think their problem is their place. When your place is tailor-made for where you are. God, glory. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And our problem is we only want our steps to be ordered up. But every now and then steps are ordered down. Because some of us have, glory be to God. Because some of us have to come down so God can lift us. Going up just won't work for you right now. You high-minded low. Your head is higher than your height. Your head way up here and you way down here already. But some of you are going to do it again. God, I'm telling you, do it. Do it again. Watch this. The reason why it didn't work for you before is because it was working for your good, not to work for you then. But now that you got the good of it not working, which actually made you more like your king. God says proceed. Your prayer life is ready now. Proceed. Oh, you worship and rejoice in all things. Proceed. You're hungry when things are working for you and when things aren't working. You hunger and thirst for right. Proceed. You've allowed your character to be molded. Thank you, Jesus. He goes on to say this, and this is so, so, so profound. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 30, he goes on to say, Moreover, whom he did what? Predestinate them he also what? Called. He don't call everybody. Right? And whom he called, them he also justified. Everybody say justified. 
And whom he justified, them he also what? Then he goes on to say, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. I need y'all to recognize something about this that I, I feel like we do not emphasize enough concerning justification. <clears throat> I believe that we have made justification a symbol and not a reality. People think you're symbolized by a symbol. People actually think, uh, excuse me, you're justified by a symbol. People actually think justification is an intangible thing that you just enter into by reciting something. It's more of an incantation, a spell, than it actually is a fruit and a reality. No, no, justification is something you bear the fruit of according to this scripture. And that's what I want to tell you. you no, I'm not just justified and it don't show. No, 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 no. There is no such thing as I'm justified and something don't show visibly. Justification has visible evidence called fruit. I am the vine and you are the branch. He that abideth in me and I in him, which is actually justification, he shall bear much what? The fruit hanging on the branch is evidence what's invisibly in the vine. You can look what's on me and know what's in him. Bear fruit. The fruit of the spirit is, you see peace. The fruit of the spirit is joy. You see it, long-suffering, meekness, temperance. Say against such, you don't try to bring the law on anybody bearing fruit. Against such, there is no law. Put your law up. That's for people who ain't spiritual. You don't use the law on spiritual people. Watch this. Watch this. I need you all to recognize this, that being conformed into the image of Christ is directly connected to being justified by Christ. Being conformed into the image of Christ is directly connected to being justified by Christ. He talked about conforming in verse number 29. He talked about being justified in 30, 31, and 33. Glory be to God. Why? Why does he do that? He goes on. Let me just read it. So now I'll read it. It says, for whom, this is verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did pre-what? To be what? Into the image of his son. So conforming. But then look what it says. It starts out verse 30. What's the first word in verse 30? Moreover. What does moreover mean? In addition to being uh, in addition to what was just had been said. Moreover, that means in addition to what I just said, whatever I'm about to say is a part of that. What does he start talking about after conforming? Being justified. Amen? In addition to being conformed into his image, who, who he predestined, he called, he justified, he, then he did what? Glorified. I believe one of the challenges of us now, because, and I believe that the glory of God is coming upon us, and I believe the reason why the enemy so fights it is because he understands how close we are to the glory of God because actually justification is actually being conformed into the image of God. And so you know why the, the, the enemy fights that so much? Because he understands that's Isaiah 60 breaking out because you can't be glorified until after you're justified. Well, what if I just think justified is reading a ritual? What if I think being justified is me saying a prayer? What if I don't know it's actually wearing someone? Amen. Being conformed into the image of Christ is directly connected to being justified by Christ. Listen to me and listen to me well. Christ justifies us by way of conforming us. Christ 
justifies us by way of what? Conforming is the means, justification is the end. Conforming is the cause, justification is the effect. We are as justified by Christ as we are conformed into the image of Christ. Justification isn't some invisible thing that we just think of in our mind. It's the bearing of a fruit. We cannot disconnect being conformed from being justified. The Greek word for justified, and I'm going to take it a step further. You know what justified means? It is the legal and formal acquittal from guilt by God as judge. Furthermore, it is the pronouncement of one being righteous who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that again. Justified. Diakeo is the Greek word. Diakeo. You can look it up. It is the legal and formal acquittal from guilt by God as judge. It isn't just the acquittal of guilt. That's where we mess it up and why we don't understand justification. We walk around thinking justification means I'm not guilty no more. That is only half of a coin that has two sides. If I'm just not guilty anymore, I really have not entered into full justification. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness y'all ain't hear me, of God. Jesus did not sin. He became sin. He never sinned. He just became sin. Why? So then we could become what he was before he became sin. Stopping at not guilty ain't good enough because he was never guilty. That's not justification. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. I'm not going to hell. That's not good enough because I get what he had and he was never going to hell. but we don't understand justification. Justification, the akio, the acquittal from guilt by God as judge and the pronouncement of righteousness through belief in Jesus Christ cannot be divorced from being conformed into the image of Christ. What I'm saying is if we're not being conformed into the image of Christ, we have not been acquitted from guilt. Don't ever take what somebody tells you about Christ. You take what somebody can show you of Christ. I don't need you to tell me how he is. Show me how he is. If That's why a lot of people say, well, nobody wants to hear the gospel no more. You ain't preaching it. It ain't just what you say. It's who you're saying it out of. And you're half-baked. You, you only got one side of justification. If, now one, if God be for us, who can be what? Do y'all hear that? Now watch all of the verses. And I'm trying to help y'all understand something about justification. Between 30 through 34 that talk about why we can't be guilty. Why we are not guilty. And he just, Paul begins to, in a sense, boast in the justification of God. He begins to boast in the reality of God. He says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Then he goes on to say, who shall lay anything to the charge against God's elect? What in the world are you going to call out about God's elect and actually think they're going to be guilty of it? He goes on to say, why? Because it is God that justifies then he said, well, hold on. He's not only the one that justifies, he's also the one who what? Who was he that condemns? Christ. What Paul is saying is this. You can't charge the elect with anything and expect them to be condemned. Why? Why? Because the one in charge of condemning them is the one justifying them. 
Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. The, the glory be to God. Literally, our judge Christ is, and, and we're actually being conformed into his image. He's our judge and he's conforming us into his image. The one in charge of condemning us is the one justifying us by conforming us. Justification is to be conformed into the image of our judge. How in the, how in the world is the judge going to find me guilty when when the judge looks at me he looks at himself who shall lay a charge against God's elect it is God that justifieth who is he that condemneth God, I hope y'all got that. I know I can't be guilty because I have more of his heart every day. I know I can't be guilty because his mind is coming into my mind every day. I know I can't be guilty because I'm hungry like he was hungry. I know I can't be guilty because I drank of the living water like he drank of the living water. Who is he that shall bring a charge against God's The one judge, what happens when I get up to stand before a judge who has a gavel and a roll and I sit on the other side with a gavel and a roll? Justification, can I help you understand? Because we'll never be glorified if we don't understand this. Justification is to look so much like the judge. To condemn you would be for the judge to condemn himself. The one condemning you is justifying you. He's not saying you're not guilty. He's actually saying you're him. A lot of people don't believe that. What is in the name of Jesus? I look too much. God wants us to get to the place where we love him too much. Love is likeness. That's what it produces. We look too much like him to be scared of being judged by him. Perfect love. I'm trying to take y'all back to all the scriptures. I mean, perfect love casteth out all fear because fear have in it torment. How in the world can I judge my son? And when I look at my son, I see my brown eyes. When I look at my son, I see my big head. When I look at my son, I see my hands. He is not judging us based on what we've done. He's judging us based on who we are. Because He is not looking at what we do because of what we do is based off of who we are sin he was pointing at sin to help man know sin ain't really your issue the sin nature is your issue and it don't matter how many sins you fix if your person isn't changed I'm trying to conform you into the image of another man that's justification It's impossible to bring a charge against the Lord's elect. The judge is the one justifying them by conforming them into his image. How much do me and you look like Jesus? That's how much boldness we have in the, in the day, for the day of judgment. See, our problem is we've been so raised in religion, we're trying to figure out a work to become like him. How do I do that? Wrong question. It's already a promise. You don't do anything. You first believe all things. We first have to, we have to break off all the religion that told us we got to do works. They just put works a different way. You do this, this, and that. I ain't saying we don't repeat a prayer, but if that's all you did, you did absolutely nothing. Don't think that repeated prayer 10 years ago. And you bear no fruit. Fruit that remains. Whatever peace you get, it's supposed to stay with you until you go see the prince. The, the old saints... 
say justification is what? Just as if I never sinned. Y'all remember that? The old saints in the Baptist churches and stuff. Just I've been justified. It's just as if I never sinned. And as much as we think that's cliche-ish, it's actually theologically correct. Justification is just as if. This is what we, we need to listen to that. There's wisdom in that. It's just as if I never sinned. Not from the standpoint of guilt. We always equate that to guilt. He's not, it's just as if I never sinned, not just from the standpoint of guilt, but from the standpoint of consciousness. Having a sin consciousness. See, we don't want to deal with the consciousness. Flesh don't know how to do that. Flesh just knows how to do acts. But the only reason, listen to me closely and let me just talk for a minute. The only reason I turn into a drinker is because at some point I drank. Can we agree? Right? I only want to drink because I've already actually experienced drinking. Uh, an alcoholic is an alcoholic because what he tasted keeps on pulling him back. Justification, just as if I never drank, is what comes on a conscious level. Please hear me. I'm granted the image of the judge in that area of my personhood. So the temptation to drink can no longer tug me in because I've been justified. I've been conformed into the image of the one who never drank. I now see drinking from the standpoint of somebody who never tasted liquor even though I drank liquor for 30 years. How? Because it is God that. How can a man be born again? How can I erase 30 years of drinking being born again? Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? Yahweh doesn't try to alter our actions. He transforms our nature. He wants us to be partakers, according to Peter, of his divine what? He doesn't restrain us from fornication. He gives us his nature that's not susceptible to fornication. He does not restrain us from anger. He gives us the consciousness of the one who's governed by peace. He does not give us willpower over sin. He gives us a nature that never sinned. It's called justification, the purification of conscience. All right, Hebrews 10 says it best. I love it because it deals a lot with the sacrifice and priesthood. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 in the New King James Version. Watch this. It says here, For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things can never with those sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect, right? He's, he's talking about the law where men continue to sacrifice for sin and continue to sacrifice for sin, the same sins over and over. For then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers Everybody say worship. For the worshipers once purified would have no more what? Consciousness of. Consciousness. Yahweh does not try to alter our actions. He transforms our nature. Where there is a lack of nature change, there is not full justification. Period. His point isn't to say, okay, I said this, it's just over. His point is to call us then into conforming into the image of his son. We got to get rid of the evidence. God ain't going to lie. You confess that he saved you. He ain't going to lie. You confess he delivered you. He ain't going to let you stay undelivered and say you delivered. He's going to release the power of justification. Through conforming you and me into his image. Justification is not just symbolism. It's not just what God does symbolically after we repeat a prayer. It is an actual being conformed into the image of his son. 
Romans 8 and 8. I'm going to go here. I'm going to shift gears a little bit and I'm almost done. Somebody shout justify. Romans 8 and 8. So then they that are in the flesh, what? <laughs> I'm going to read that again. So then they that are in the, you, it's, Romans 8 is a great chapter to read. And the reason why it's so important to read is so we can have discernment. We need discernment. Amen. In these times, we need to be able to discern what's what and who's who. Romans 8 and 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot what? Flesh is an attempt to be justified outside of being conformed into Yahweh's inner image. Notice it said the flesh cannot please God. He's not talking about the sinner because the sinner ain't thinking about pleasing God. I wonder if I got a witness up in here. When we was out in the club and we was dancing, were we saying, Lord, I wonder if the Lord would be pleased with the way I'm breaking it. When you ain't nobody, sinners don't try to please God. He's not talking about sinners. He's talking about saints in church that are still in sin because they're in their flesh. They're actually trying to live a life pleasing to God. So that they that are in their flesh. Cannot please God. Flesh is an attempt to be justified outside of being conformed into Yahweh's inner image. It's when I, I re, I'm restraining myself from drinking instead of being conformed into the image of the one who never drank. It's not, I don't do it, but it's not because deep down on the inside I still don't want to. My nature has not been changed. I just put it on a leash. And anybody know anything about strong dogs? Every now and again, they'll break the. We call that backsliding. God calls it flesh. His idea was never for us to put a chain on a nature that he never gave us. It's called a fallen nature. He never gave us that. His plan was to, through Christ, resurrection, glorification, and ascension, and outpouring of the Spirit, give us a new nature. Amen? Flesh is an attempt to be justified outside of being conformed into Yahweh's image. It's when I'm restraining myself from drinking instead of being conformed into the image of the one who never drank. It's trying to control my anger instead of being conformed in the image of the one whose government is peace. We need to understand that because religion has taught us to try to restrain what we're actually supposed to be conformed. Flesh wants God to help them control what Yahweh wants to conform. He does not want to help us control what he never put in us. He wants to conform it into what he originally made us. Religion produces restrainers. The kingdom produces image bearers. Please hear me again. Religion produces restrainers. The kingdom produces image bearers. Religion has produced a church full of people trying to restrain their lusts, restrain their anger, restrain their wrong desires, and it just doesn't work. God Almighty, you know why it doesn't work? Because every now and again, what you're trying to hold back gets loose. And it's not a friendly dog. It's not the dog that's just going to wag its tail. It's going to cause some confusion. It's going to cause some strife. There is a time in which restraint is necessary. But if it is now done by faith, transformation takes place. Be not conformed to the Stop the action. Then you shall be trans by the renewing of your If I don't restrain forever. But if I restrain by faith, I'm transformed. I shouldn't be restraining the same thing for 10 years. That's not faith, that's flesh. The, the earth is not waiting on the manifestation of people who know how to control their flesh. Creation is waiting on the manifestation 
of the sons of God. The problem is religion reproduces many more restrainers than the kingdom produces image bearers. But every image bearer, you have 2,000 restrainers being produced every day. There must be a resetting. There must be a stripping down and a tearing down of religious ways. We must demand fruit. We must demand fruit from the people who are telling us how to follow God. Amen? Justification, where does it flow from? And I'm closing. At the end of the day, there's only one thing that changes us. You know what justifies us and conforms us into the image of the king? The presence of of the king. Justification flows from being in the presence of the justifier. We will not be conformed into his image outside of his presence. I'm going to say that again. We will not be, as we behold as in a mirror, the glory of God. We are transformed I said I was sorry, but you wasn't in nobody's presence. You're trying to minister information and principles, and ain't no presence there to produce nothing. I confess, but you ain't changed. What was missing? Presence. Pre Spirit and truth. Spirit of God is the Listen and listen closely. And this is so important. Listen to me and listen to me well. There's some of you in this house today. If I get everybody to stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, listen, listen. You're here today. You're here today. And you know you need God. And you know, you know some things has to change. You know some repentance needs to take place. And you know the reason why it's so heavy. Because life is heavy and life is difficult and life is hard. Much of it has to do with things that you continue to press to the side. That you know God is calling you into. Either that is things you know you need to do, but you try to do a hundred times. But you keep on falling back. And you couldn't figure out why do I keep on going back into this. I tried to do what God told me to do. I tried to come to church. I, I, I tried to listen to the word. I, I tried naming and claim. I, I tried all those things. But I'm still stuck in a place where I can, go, I can do good for a while. And then I go back. Today I got my answer. I've been trying to train a nature that never belonged to me. God don't want you to have to fight that thing down every time a problem comes and you're ready to go off on somebody. God don't want you to have to fight that down every time a high dress comes up and you got to restrain yourself because you want to run and do whatever with them. There comes a place in our walk with God where that inner desire has no power. It can, I'm telling you, it might poke you, but it'll never magnify itself in you because your nature has been so shifted by the power of God. You do not have to restrain that thing that wants you to do the very thing that's going to kill you. The wages of sin is death and there's something inside of you that wants you to want that what's going to kill you. But I got good news for you today. There is a justifier. There is a king. There is a king who hung on a cross. There is a king who shed his blood. There is a king who rose from the dead. And he has purchased power to give you and me a new heart. There is
is now no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. Who what? Walk not after the flesh. Stop trying to restrain it and admit you don't got it yet. Religion impressing us means nothing. I don't care if you look like you got it all together in front of me. I ain't got nowhere to send you. We got to go back to some stuff. The Bible says that through the Spirit, read Romans 8, it's a phenomenal read. We mortify the deeds of the flesh. God is about to give you some tools on this day. As you say yes to repentance and as you say yes to openness. And I'm here to tell you, this yes to repentance and this yes to openness ain't just a yes to repentance and a yes to openness. It's a yes to learning how to host the presence of God. Never take that out of the equation. Worship is important. I don't, don't let nobody ever minimize that to you. Worship is important. The presence of God in the room is important. And me and you have a right for him to inhabit our praise no matter where we are. Glory be to God. And so God, when I begin to praise God, and then at that point, begin to say, God, move in my heart, there's something different that happens. Why? Because the presence of God that has been hosted by me has given him access that when I open my mouth and begin to confess, and I open my mouth and I begin to yield, there's power there to shift. Worship is important. Anybody that has the spirit will never. Worship is important. Perhaps you're here today. God, give me, give me the spirit that will give me grace to mortify the deeds of my flesh. I'm opening myself up and I need a measure of your spirit your spirit that I that, that up to this point I've been restraining I I ain't gonna lie to you there's stuff come on Monday that about shot down and every now and again because I've never all I've done is put it on a leash every now and again I'll creep back into it and now and then I'll go there again but I've been touched by your spirit I felt your spirit I, I've been moved by your spirit Holy Spirit, I want you to move in in a new way. I repent. Give me what I need to kill this thing. God won't kill it for us, but he'll give us the spirit of God that will, through which we can kill it. If you're here today, I want you to make your way up here. I want to pray with you. I'm ready to denounce this flesh. I'm ready to denounce restraining. I'm ready for a measure of the spirit where I can mortify the deeds of my flesh. I want you to come. Hallelujah. Come on, just come. I thank God for your honesty. Thank you, Jesus.